that's the message of the church, and that's the message of every blood-bought saint of God today. We have good news for our workplace. We have good news for our household. We have good news for our neighborhood. What's the good news? That a Savior has come, that God has sent His Son, the Messiah has come, and He's came to rescue His people from their sins, that they don't have to live in bondage anymore, that those who are controlled by addictions don't have to be controlled by addictions anymore, that those who are controlled by habits don't have to be controlled by those habits anymore, that those who are without hope don't have to be without hope anymore. I want to just real quickly give you the outline of the angel's message. The angels first talk about a savior, they talk about a sign, and they talk about a song. A savior in verse 11. The message from the angel was this. It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, Christ is the Greek word for the Messiah. For hundreds of years, the Jews had been anticipating the coming of the Messiah, the anointed one, whose scripture has foretold would deliver his people. Has come. The angels announce his birth. Can you imagine the joy that filled their hearts when they realized that what their great grandparents had been talking about and hoping for and believing for had finally come to pass and finally taken place that day? Today we have good news for the world. The Savior has come. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Savior, as I said earlier, he's come to take away sin. Man does not have to live as a slave to sin any longer. You don't have to live bound by regrets and sorrow and remorse and guilt and discouragement. Why? Because the Savior has come. Jesus has come as a mighty deliverer. He paid the price for sin so that mankind could be made right with God. I read this a while back and it stuck with me. It says that Jesus was the overpayment for sin. Oftentimes, you know, we think, oh, you know, God, I I messed up. Oh, I should know better than that. I'm sorry, Lord. But when we realize that Jesus was the, listen, he's the overpayment for your sin and for mine. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Can you imagine if you go to a restaurant and you run down here to Carini's or one of the local restaurants and someone pays your bill? You know, it's 10 bucks or 12 bucks for your couple slices of pizza and your drink or your sandwich and and they drop a thousand bucks. Would you feel bad about asking for a refill on your soda? You know, some places, you know, you're like, well, could I please have a refill? No, you'd be like, hey, they just paid a thousand bucks. You don't mind asking for a refill. And the reality of it is, is since Jesus is the overpayment of our sins, not that we continue in sin, after we've gone before the Lord, when we come out of there, we've gone before the Lord and we've made right those things that have hindered us or those things that are interfering in our lives. When we walk out of there, we need to know that the overpayment for my sin has been paid by Jesus. I don't have to live with my head down. Mankind can be restored to God through what Jesus has done. The second part of their message is the sign. In verse 12, the angel said, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In essence, the angel is saying to him this, so that you know what I'm telling you is true. You're going to go down the street here a little ways and you're going to find a baby. He's going to be wrapped in cloths and he's going to be lying in a manger. And so that you know what I'm telling you is true. I'm telling you in advance, this is what you are going to experience. This is what you are going to see. This will be a sign. 
This was one of many signs. Centuries before, the prophets spoke of many signs concerning Jesus. Jeremiah spoke and said that he would come as the seed of David. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, he says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Do you hear that? He will be called the Lord, our righteousness. And so the reality of it is, is that he is our righteousness. That it's not my righteousness that allows me to stand before God, because the Bible clearly teaches us that my righteousness and your righteousness is as filthy rags. But he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. The second thing, Isaiah Isaiah spoke as a sign to the people hundreds of years before, and he said that Jesus will be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. You're looking for a sign? He'll give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Another sign was that he would be born in Bethlehem. Micah prophesied this, but you, Ephrathah. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth." And he will be our peace. Isaiah prophesied that he would be worshipped by wise men and presented gifts. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3, it says that nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephath. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Surely the islands look to me, and the lead are the ships of Tarshish, bringing your sons from afar with their silver and gold to honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. And Isaiah spoke of who he would be in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Do you ever feel like you need a sign from God? Maybe you're in the position today, I don't know about you, but whenever I drive, I appreciate the areas that have good signage. Do you know what I'm saying? I have a habit of going down the wrong one-way streets and things like that on occasion. Not all the time, but on occasion, people, like, they give you the hand motions and wave to you, and, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I didn't know you guys were so happy to see me here today. Not very often, but on occasion, I've gone the wrong way. Or maybe when you're driving and you've got somewhere to go that you've never been before, it's nice when you turn on a road and you're waiting, you're, you're saying, man, I hope I'm going in the right direction and you'll see the sign ahead, you know, route number such and such north. And you're like, ah, we're in the right place. Or you see the big sign that points this way. And, and those signs are kind of comforting to our hearts. In our relationship with God, there's times in which we look for signs as well. There's times that we need to know that 
I'm doing the will of the Lord. There's times in which we need to know that we're headed in the right direction. There's times that we just need to know that God is still there. Now, in our hearts, we know that he's there. And yet, sometimes on a day-to-day basis, there's those times in which we're not quite sure. We're wondering what's going on. Lord, where are you at in this time? I'm confident that there are those here today who have been asking God for a sign. There are some who don't know if they can hear from him anymore. Have you ever been in that period of time where you said, God, at one time I could hear you so clearly. I knew what you were saying. And now I just, I question whether or not I can even hear you. Those who need assurance, those who need direction, those who ask, God, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I serving in the way that you want me to serve? And some of you, God has been calling you into a relationship with him. I want you to know today that this message is a sign It's a part of the sign that you've been asking for from God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard it in my years of ministry where people will come to me either after a service and they'll say, Pastor, or even visitors who come in, or or whenever someone's teaching a Sunday school class, and they'll say, Pastor, I heard exactly what I needed today. It was as if that word that that person spoke, it was a, as if it was a sign from God. Friend, God is consistently, he has his signpost all around. He has his way of revealing himself all around. And he uses sometimes the prominent signs in which we see, oh yes, that's from God. Sometimes it's a, it's a word from someone who's sitting beside us in church. And just as a comment they make, it lets us know that God is with us, that he's thinking of us, that he's leading us, directing us. The message of a baby wrapped in a cloth and lying in a manger was a sign of God's love for you today. The simplicity of John chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 that says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friend, God is doing everything he can to capture the attention of the world around about us. God's doing everything he can to capture your attention and to make people a part of his family and to keep him with him forever. The third thing that we see is we see the angel song in verses 13 and 14. It says, suddenly, this angel appeared and spoke to him. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The scripture says that at that point in the conversation, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel and they began to praise the Lord. Notice what else it says. It said, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Still today, peace comes to those who will receive the favor of the Lord. God wants to offer you his favor. The Bible says that he's no respecter of persons. That whoever will come to him, he will in no wise cast out. God is looking to bestow his favor upon you. But the reality of it is, is there's some who will not receive the Lord's favor. There's some who will reject 
his favor. And that's why you and I, it's so vital that you and I, we have this message of the good news. It's so vital that you and I clearly proclaim and clearly display this message of good news to the world around about us. Because the world has a confused idea about who Jesus is. One of the things, I'm glad that we live in a country today where we can still celebrate Christmas, even despite how it's very commercialized and all these things. Well, you know what? There's a lot of places that you can't name the name of Christ. Around the earth, there's countries that you can't name the name of Christ. And if you do, you'll be persecuted and attacked and and you can't celebrate the birth of Jesus. Thank God that we live in a free nation in which we can celebrate his birth, in which we can lift up his name. Revelations 14, so the angels are singing a song. They're singing a song of praise to God. But you know, there's a song. Can you imagine what it'd be like to hear the angels sing? That would be pretty cool. There's certain churches, cathedrals, these buildings that are made for acoustics. Over in Israel, there was a church that was built hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And when people would sing in it, it had like a rounded top. It was just fabulous. You could have two people singing and the acoustics in this building were just fabulous. And you know, there was a group of people in there and they were worshiping and singing. And it was, must be what it's like when the angels sing. And I know some people have visions and dreams and they experience angels. I've not had any of those, but there's some who have dreams or visions in which God shows them things like that. We can imagine what it would be like to hear the angels sing. But there is a song that's greater than any song that the angels can sing. You see, the reality of it is the angels can't sing every song. Revelation 14 tells us about a song that the angels can't sing. It's the song of those who are redeemed. It's a song of those who have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. The angels can't know the joy and the pure delight of knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that they have been picked up out of the mire and that they have been redeemed and purchased with the blood of Jesus. The angels, even as glorious as the song of the angels are, a greater song is the song of the redeemed, and you and I can sing that song of the redeemed. And the world around us needs to hear that song. At this point, some of you may not be able to sing that song, though. Have you accepted the favor of the Lord? You see, if you've not accepted the favor of the Lord, if you've not believed upon Jesus to take away your sins, the things that separate you from God, then you won't understand the joy of that song. But when you know the love and the forgiveness of the creator of the universe, who sent his son to suffer and die on a cruel cross so that you could be with him forever, you'll have a song to sing as well. Jesus is calling. He's putting out signs today. But he's no longer a baby away in a manger somewhere. He's not that. He's not on a hill far away hanging on an old rugged cross. And he's not laying in a cold, dank, dark tomb. The Bible says that he's risen and that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is what it says. It says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. What is he doing? He's been exalted to the right hand of the Father and he is continually speaking up on your behalf. Now that's favor. That's favor. 
Many times we want favor of people and we want the favor of an organization. But you and I live under the favor of the Lord. Some of you just don't realize it. There was something I shared in the first services, and that's this, that you know, there's times that you want to show favor to people, but some people won't let you do that. There's some people who will not, they will not allow you, they will not open themselves up for you to show favor to them, for you to bless them. As much as you want to, as hard as you try, it's like they have their hearts closed off to you, their arms crossed to you. They don't want what you have to offer to them. Every week, God calls out to people. Every day he calls out to people. He says, as Pastor Joe said, are you tired? Are you weary? To the world around about us, friends, you and I have this good news. The good news of the gospel that Jesus saves, that Jesus sets free, that Jesus delivers, that Jesus offers a reason for living. If you look at our newspapers, if you look at our newspapers, every day when you look at the obituaries, probably every two days you're going to find someone there who's 30-something years old or 40 who died at home unexpectedly. Your trip in the bathtub? No. Every day here in Lancaster County, probably a couple times a week in Lancaster County, somebody takes their life. If you look in the papers at the end of the the month, they report on deaths, and they'll say suicide, suicide, suicide. That's what the world wants to offer to you. But Jesus is coming so that he could bring life to people. And you and I have this message of hope that a Savior has been born. We have a sign from God. Jesus coming is the sign. And all along the way, after this sign of God giving his best, his son, to come live with us, that's a sign from God. And yet, and then after that, all along the way, if you think about yourself, how many times did God interrupt your life? When you were far from him, when you weren't even seeking for him, how many times can you look back and see that God was working and drawing you to himself? As we close today, it would not be appropriate for me to close out a Christmas Sunday without, imagine this, imagine, have you ever been to like a party, a Christmas party, and you want to make sure that everyone there gets a gift? If you're hosting it, if you're giving out gifts, you want to make sure that everybody there has a gift. Now, what they do with their gift, if they leave their gift on a table, you can try and chase them out the door and take it to them. But if someone completely refuses the gift, then there's not much you can do about that. The gift that Christ came to give is he came to give eternal life and a relationship, a right relationship with God. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not about balls on a tree. Those are cool. And I know that some people, they could tie like a sled ride. Some pastors, when they do their sermons, can tie, well, the tinsel on the tree means this, and the sleigh bells mean this, the bells of heaven. And I don't know all those things. So that doesn't make sense to me. But I know this. I know that Jesus died on the cross and that he paid a price for our sins. And God's greatest gift that he could ever give, we celebrate this week, good news, that you can have peace with God. And he's looking to show his favor on you, but you've got to let him. He's offering it to you today. We're at a party, and all of you have gotten a gift. It's like on the Oprah show. Ooh, cool. A car? But it's being offered to you, this gift of eternal life, this right relationship with God. Crystal's going to play. As we finish, this is what we're going to do. Crystal's going to play that song, Here I Am to Worship. And I'm going to ask every single person in the building in a moment to stand up. And we're going to gather up front just for a few moments. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, when you step out of your pew and you walk to that altar, 
symbolically, when you step out of there, you're walking down to that altar. We're coming to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're coming to give ourselves and present ourselves to Him. You know, can I be honest with you? God don't need, He doesn't need your, whatever it is that you think you can offer Him. He owns it all. He created it all. He desperately wants your heart. He will use your gifts. He will use your talent. He will use your resources for His glory. But what He wants most of all is your devotion and your love for Him. You're surrendering your life to Him. And so this is what we're going to do when we invite you forward. There's some of you, when you walk down that this aisle to come to the front here, symbolically, you're stepping out and you're coming to Jesus. It's not just because you walk down the aisle, because it's what's in your heart. And there's some of you who have been walking with the Lord for a while, but there's things that are hindering you. There's things that are holding you back. God wants to take those things away. And so as you step out, though, we're humbling ourselves before God. I believe today that he's calling to some people. You may have made some bad mistakes and you think, ah, you know what? He's not ashamed of you. I was ashamed of some of the things I'd done, but he wasn't ashamed of me. I wanted to hide from them, but he stood with me. As you step out, you're coming to the Lord. It's not just the stepping of the thing. It's, it's an outward sign of what's happening in our hearts. I got good news for you. The Savior's come. And he came to set his people free. As Crystal starts to play, can I ask every person in the building, would you join me here at the front? And as we come, we're going to come in worshiping each step that we take is a step towards God. And when you raise your hands up here at these altars and you say, here I am to worship, it's a surrendering of your heart and your life to him. Would you come?